All right, Josh Smith here, live at my Flat 5 Studios, and today's guest is really one of my favorite artists in the world. Um, if anybody's asked me in the last 20 years, oh, what do you listen to? Don't you like any new music, or do you like any new rock and roll? Literally, the only answer to this question is Ian Thornley <laughs> and Big Wreck normally, and also his solo records. I'm an enormous fan, like, for real, and the fact that we've gotten to know each other a little bit I, it's super exciting for me i love his playing i love his guitar uh, playing his writing his singing everything about this guy and he's such a great dude so i'm really excited to talk to him today and kind of hear a little bit about his story so everybody please welcome ian thornley all right it's very nice <laughs> it's the truth dude it's all the right. truth i'm i'm really huge fan i've been listening to you for you know 20 plus years like i yeah. love your your stuff I've been around a number of years. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. We yeah. all have. We're, we're getting up there, you know. Um, man, so I start all these by asking everybody. I don't really know your family story, and it's always very interesting to me. My family was not musical, so it was really a coincidence that I got a guitar and got hooked into it. Mm. How did you end up with a guitar in your hands? You know, did uh, you play a musical family? How did it start for you? Yeah, I... I uh... I started on piano um, real young. My mom was really musical. My dad's musical as well. Uh, he's just an all around sort of artistic guy. Mm -hmm. um, but my mom was a school teacher. Uh, she was very musical and a, a great singer um, and just a natural sort of ear for harmonies. And and, um, and I guess I, I probably somewhere from the both of them, but mostly from my mom, I just sort of got a I had a knack for picking stuff up on the piano at a at a very young age, um, and then and then it was like, okay, well, let's let's get you some piano lessons. It's like, well, we don't have a piano. It would always be over at a friend's place or something, and I'd be hammering away. At, and if we heard something on the radio, then I'd kind of figure it out on the piano. Oh, okay, let's so let's get this started. Um, long story short, that's kind of that was kind of my my introduction to uh learning music or exploring it you know and, and then making connections and figuring out that like before long i could hear something and then figure it out in my head and then play it. Mm -hmm. um and then making that connection that it's like oh well it, it sort of demystified the whole thing for me and i started listening to music in a slightly different way um and I wouldn't say analytical, but but if there was something that turned my ear or something that that, that I dug, I would start analyzing it. And if I couldn't figure it out, I would I would you know sit down and figure it out. Um, and I sort of developed that, and I took lessons. I studied with some pretty heavy people around town, and then uh, my, and my mother actually was taking piano lessons at the same time as me. Like she wow. she she was like, well, I might as well. You know, once you figure out that, that, you know, that sort of that one sound is actually, that's just lithium. That's, a, you know, once you start figuring certain things out, um, you can kind of put names to sounds and kind of shortcut a lot of things. But, it, but uh, yeah, and then, and then I, uh, my mom passed and I think that probably was, I, I stopped sort of playing piano when I was maybe 14 or 15. So I joined a, I joined a pop band when I was 13. And we wow. would play in the clubs around and like, you know, the sort of big crimped hair and, and, you know, I was a tall kid. 
So I, I wouldn't get asked about my age a lot, but people could tell I was underage. Um, but it was fine. And it's, yeah, you know, it was, I got right into keyboards and synths and sounds and all that shit. And, and, uh, and then when my mom passed, I kind of, I kind of put a hold on that. And then I started playing basketball and cycling. And that's kind of all I did for a good few years. And then I must've been 16 or 17. And then my dad got me a, an acoustic guitar for either my birthday or Christmas or something like that. And I sat down and I learned a, I learned a chord just kind of by ear. I just kind of muscled something out and I was like, okay, well, that sounds like a chord. This hurts. And I just sort of put it away, put it in the closet where it sat for a while. Um, and then it was a friend that I was, there's a studio uh, here in town called Sounds Interchange. And I think it's still there. It's been built into this giant building, but the, the, the core studio is still there. And we were, uh, myself and a few other kids were, were um, dub, the, the, the dub room, which is where they had all the tape machines and quarter inch tape machines. So this, uh, this studio would, would do a lot of the radio ads for, for Canada. Mm. And then once the radio ad was done, it'd send it into the dub room. We'd fire off a bunch of dubs and then, and then send them out to the radio stations across the country. Um, so they'd have us like demagging the tape machines and all that yeah. wow. and, uh, and, and getting coffee and getting, you know, egg sandwiches and shit for everybody. Cause it was like, we, our parents knew somebody that, that was at the studio or whatever. Like that's how we got the job sure. and it was like below minimum wage, but it was a summer job. Uh, and one of my buddies there, um, a guy named Dan who's a, a lovely guitar player and just a, and a great guy. We got to be fast friends and, and, he was over at the house one day and, and pulled the guitar out of the closet and started playing like Stairway to Heaven or some, something like that. And I was like, wait a minute, that sounds like the record. Um, so then I grabbed it and I was like, how'd you do that? So once I started, once I, st I picked it up pretty quickly, uh, once I got past the whole, this hurts my fingers, I couldn't get used to a pick because of, probably because of the piano thing. So I was just mostly a finger style guy. And then I, I quickly there, thereafter started open tuning. Um, it was open G for a while. And then I started going open C and open D and all these different variations of open chords. Um, yeah, and I just kind of, you know, I think that was the, the connection was once you, once you, probably the same as earlier, like once you figured out that like that sound, I think because music had become so important as a, as a friend of mine, you know what I mean? It was, it was something I listened to all the time. I always had Walkman earphones in and, and, um, and I'd really gotten steeped in Zeppelin and things like that. And uh, once I was able to, to figure out that I could make that sound come out of this, yeah. um, I don't know, it just, it hit me in a different way than, than piano did. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know what it was, but, but yeah, I just, then I just sort of, I progressed pretty quickly. Um, and then that was, that's kind of it. I started picking out things that I liked and, and right. quickly thereafter, I just started making shit up. I was like, well, what if, you know, you always kind of like, well, what if, uh, yeah. And then, you know, I, I was that that's kind of like long story short or short story long. <laughs> so yeah. what, I mean, so it's interesting to me, you, you had a relatively 
at least some degree of theory background from playing piano. You'd started yes. to gig as a piano player or a keyboard player. And then, yeah, then you switch over. I'm curious, what, what kind of music did your parents like? Uh, or, you know, what, what was what was in the house? What were you they hearing? Were, they were big folkies. Okay. Um, but kind of everything, you know, uh, they had great taste in music. Our, our record collection was pretty vast. Uh, and varied like there was my dad was a huge Springsteen nut and, and passed that down to me like <laughs> born, born, born to run I think is probably one of the top three records of all time yeah. um, born in the USA has got to be one of the top five you know those are two uh, and my mom was big into Super Tramp oh okay um, but there was also there was a lot of uh, you know there was the Bruce Coburn and Joni Mitchell and uh crosby stills and nash and you know that sort of uh that sort of folk stuff the only the, uh, and i've told this story before there was a, there was a, a zeppelin record in the collection and it was zeppelin three and i'd always listen to the second side because that was kind of my vibe you know that sort of really acoustic-y yeah that was, that's what that's what i was digging on and then i'd flipped it over once just on a whim and an immigrant song is the first thing you hear and it was like yeah. Yeah, that was a that was a that was a, a come to Jesus moment for sure because I was like I I just sort of made the the connection that it's it's still all the same shit it's just turned up you know oh yeah um, and yeah. and 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 it's faster and it's a little more aggressive and but it's it could still be it can still have depth and nuance and be sexy and be you know as yeah. as opposed to just because my my impression of of heavier music up to that point was like why are they yelling at me and why is this so aggressive. <laughs> um and since then you know like when i got to berkeley and I, and I started hanging out with brian like he introduced me to a whole world of of heavier music which i i, I adore now right. um, but i'm still having said that i you know i i don't listen to a lot of heavy music when i'm Interesting. hanging out you know? i'm glad to hear uh the bruce part of that story that's one that two those bruce is my parents favorite yeah. And it's like he was my first real concert. You know, yeah, I listened did. to Bruce most of my life. Uh, and it's a, a bone of contention sometimes with fellow musicians who don't get it. You know what I, I mean? I don't know how you couldn't get it. <laughs> yeah, there's plenty, though, that don't. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's an interesting thing. Yeah. So I'm happy yeah, to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> so when you started playing guitar more, was it all you didn't know guitar lessons? Were you like picking friends' brains uh, or anything? Yeah, it was more of that. And then they'd get pissed off at me because it, like, they'd show me something one weekend and by the next weekend I'd, I'd gone beyond that. Right. And then, you know, it just, it, it kind of happened quickly. And I think I'd, I'd, I had a pretty good ear to begin with and, and I developed quickly and it was already at a, musically at a different place. And my hands were already able to do what I asked of them. Yeah. Um, probably quicker than somebody who hadn't been playing piano for that many years. Um, but it, yeah, it, it just, it was, it was, it wasn't long until it became as important as basketball and chicks. And then, right. and then it just, it kind of surpassed all of it. Um, and once my knees started to get kind of weary, you know, from playing basketball and concrete courts for 10 hours a day, it, you know, right. it was like it, it. It just kind of became abundantly clear that that was my my calling. Was still was going to be in music somehow, but I sure. could not put the guitar down. 
Um, Were you playing any gigs uh, like in that high school time? No, no gigs. Uh, I don't think I, I don't think a lot of people in high school knew that I played guitar. Because wow. um, I wasn't I wasn't one of the guys because I went to a big high school like five thousand kids or something. And, um, you knew who the sort of guitar player guys were. Sure. Um, you know, guys walking around with a Stevie Ray Vaughan hat or whatever. Uh, I wasn't one of those guys. I was still just, I would, I would have been considered like, you know, a, a, just a basketball guy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for the most part, it, it, it just kind of, I kept it to myself. As far as lessons went, I took a few lessons from a guy named Marty Posen, who's a, a flat picker guy. Um, and he started trying to get me into using the, pick and taught me a couple fiddle tunes and um great guitar player uh yeah i think he he was friends with with michael hedges oh wow um and i got right into the whole michael hedges thing for a while um but yeah by the time i got to berkeley it was um learned jazz theory and you know and and, and applying it to guitar it's just i i love listening to jazz but i i just never i never had a a pull to it to learn to play it you know um i still even today like i'll, I'll listen to it and i'll lift stuff but i'm just lifting a, a line sure. or, or li lifting an idea or lifting a oh what if i just cascade down in fives over you know, a whole tone oh i'm ripping that for the next time i have you know an extended solo in one of my fucking pop songs or whatever i just it, it just never uh it was always kind of a um like like doing abs or something it was always kind of like ah, mm -hmm. i don't want to do the ab workout you know <laughs> like, the jazz thing always felt like that to me um but i mean again it's it's the the amount of work you do for the payoff i you know yeah. i still just kind of it's a tool for for learning and explaining and, and for shortcutting a lot of things i'm talking about just theory and music education it just I think that's the only way it really helped a guy like me. Like I, I still love a good knuckle dragon rock riff yeah. as much as, you know, the most blazing Holdsworth solo. So. Yeah. Well, then what, what kind of pushed you to even go to Berkeley? What was it that, that, you I know, just didn't, I didn't have any other choice. <laughs> like I barely escaped high school. <laughs> right. I had to kind of, I had to, uh, I had to schmooze my way out because I like um, there was an English credit and you're not supposed to get a mark between 45 and 50. But I think I went to the English class twice, like the whole semester. You know, I just, I, was a, <laughs> I know how to speak English. You know, I'm never going to be a prof. Give me a break. I already knew that I was going to do music and I already was going to go to Berkeley and it was the whole thing. And then, uh, but I needed this credit. And then she gave me a 49 which has almost felt like that felt deliberate to me. <laughs> that was a deliberate fuck you. So, I, and I, which I'm fine with, cause I was like, okay, well maybe that's payback for not showing up. Um, and ironically, like, you know, half of what I do is based in, in language, <laughs> you know? Uh, but anyway, yeah, I kind of like, I, I kind of had to phone her up and plead my case and come on. 49 just push it up one and then and then you know just let me go i'm not gonna so eventually it was fine um but no i wasn't gonna go to like take liberal arts or poli sci at some university and mm. you know 
play beer pong and shit. That that was never my bag. Um, yeah. And I certainly wasn't going to play basketball for a university or anything like that. My knees and lower back were already starting to go. So, and plus, I you know, I'm a white kid from Canada. Back then, that was not a, it, it just wasn't, wasn't a career path. <laughs> right. A lot of Toronto boys were looking at. Yeah, did the Raptors exist yet? Or were they just starting? No, no, no. no, no. no they, they, there was no... This was 90, I guess 91 was my first year at Berkeley. Mm. Mm. So when you get to Berkeley, I'm sure besides being an eye opener and, and it pushes you to learn new stuff, it's probably your first time just surrounded by like-minded individuals. Yeah. Which, you know, there's, I, I've never, I didn't go to college. So it was like my whole, I was playing really young too, like you and, but I was always surrounded by adults who uh -huh. definitely influenced the path that I ended up on. You know, yeah. I suppose maybe if I would have been around a bunch of people my own age, I would have ended up playing different music. I don't know. But I can imagine when you get to a, a place like that with just nothing but people your age who are into the shit you're into, yeah. it must be, like, super inspiring. It was. Um, and, and just, to, I mean, I think that everybody just had a like-minded hunger um to get better and to learn and everybody was so different um like what they were into there was metal guys and there were the straight ahead guys and there was the fusiony guys um and there were some really brilliant musicians um and some who were not great i'll be honest there were some people there i'm like what are you doing here man like this is a vocational error for you you should not you know, if you can't keep time, at least you should be able to play and pitch. <laughs> if you can't do either, those yeah. are kind of those are kind of like benchmarks for you know, like how much you pay, are your parents paying for you to be here? Like, do they really Man, just want you out of the house or what? <laughs> um, but it, yeah, it's it just like uh, more so, like I was saying earlier, more so than the curriculum and and you know, learning to play over two fives which, you know, or, or how to chart a horn section. Like, I, it's not gonna, again, it's it's not gonna, it's like math, I don't I don't need it. Why do I have to learn algebra? I have no intention of going there, to okay. quote Billy Connolly. But I, I just, I, I just, you know, it was more, uh, it was just more being around it. And then even towards the end of my, I was there for three years. And then the last sort of two semesters, the last year, I was just taking courses based on the on the teacher mm. and if it was a teacher whose who's brain i wanted to pick or a particular guitar player that i just wanted to okay what how is he you know there was a guy named bob stanton i remember who was a, a, a thumb pick tally guy um and just he was a, a serious country player and just used open strings in a way that i loved the sound of and show me ways to play an E scale or a G scale, like just a major scale, but always using the available open string. And it gives you this cascading sort of harp sound, right? With the over, um, overlapping notes. Um, and, I and he just would explain, well, no, when I'm thinking E, I'm looking at the guitar like that. When it's G, it's more like this. And I was like, what is he talking about? <laughs> and then he would kind of show me these little things and you know, that, that kind of, I'm sure it, I'm sure it sort of 
got made its way into my playing somehow um because anytime i have an open string available to me i'm probably going to use it right um in a riff or or anytime you know i just love that sound um but anyway yeah i just kind of it wasn't about getting a piece of paper that said you know that i was learned enough to teach somebody i had no intentions of teaching I, I i find that very difficult um it was it was really just more about being around other people who were trying to sponge up as much as they could you know right. it was a lot of great great players there that, that, have, that have gone on to do wonderful things since you know oh yeah heavy I mean... heavy cats and I mean, obviously, you made friendships there that lasted, you know, changed your life. And yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, for so sure. many friends of mine who have gone there tell that same story. That's where they met, you know, the guy they started this band with, or you know, the person that became their production partner twenty yeah. years down the road. You know, all that type sure. of stuff. Yeah, it's very the the camaraderie, I guess, and yeah, the, yeah, the like mindedness. Did yeah, you and know everybody's spending all that time doing their thing? You know trying to yeah. figure out what their thing is it's great well, well that's my next question did you know what your thing was when you finished did you know i, I dude i still don't i you know <laughs> i have to be told that that sounds like you i'll be like okay cool you know right i have a, I, I i don't know i'm still i mean when, let's say when you went when you left to go to berkeley was your goal coming, you know, like, oh, I'm going to go there, and when I come out, I'm going to be a giant, I'm going to be a giant star, like, as an artist, or was it, I'm going to be a working musician, make a living? Like, what were you thinking? Uh, I, probably like a lot of kids my age, I was kind of open to whatever. Uh, like, like, I could kind of project myself into different scenarios and be like, yeah, I could be, I could be a guy like that. Like, I could be, you know, Mr. I'm going to play this now and now I'm going to play that and getting paid to go from session to session. And, right. or I could be, you know, a uh, singer songwriter guy, or I could, you know, like, how do you turn it into, like, it was never really about um, how do I turn this into making money? Mm -hmm. it, it, it still isn't, or I would have done something else a long, long time ago. <laughs> um, but I, I it, it just, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know that I spent too much time, um focusing on on any goal in particular except the, the one that was right in front of me mm. um and once i started once i started really writing riffs and then and then songs and then and then putting melodies over them um once that started to happen you know i kind of i just kind of everything went there um and i tried to figure out what's the best way for me to to go about doing that you know right so once you start doing that you start writing all the tunes and kind of finding maybe your voice in that arena uh i know i mean what was i i, I don't know the 100 percent the story about the singing it, you didn't really sing much right up until after school no no um no i th i think uh I don't know. I just had some sort of bullshit idea about singers, which is, you know, that sort of age old thing that most players have yeah. towards the singer guy, you know, and there are expressions for it that I won't repeat, but you know, yes. they're, they're, they're singers. So it's like when you're, you know, my age now, would you rather be the Jimmy 
or the Robert? Would you rather be right. the Slash or the Axel? Would you rather be the Keith yeah. or the Mick? Peter Roger, yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it just, it was one of those, uh, it, it was just a stigma that I had probably created in my own head that like, well, I don't want to be a poser guy, you mm. know? Um, and, and it, you know, singing, is a, it, it can be a terrifying thing as well because it's like, yeah. that's all there is. It's the, you open your mouth and you're not going to sound like the way you want it to say. You're not going to be Jeff Buckley or B.B. King. You're just going to be you. That's it. Yep. <laughs> you know, I'm going to go for my Freddie Mercury. And it's like, no, I'm going to get Ian. So, I, mm -hmm. you know, you have to get used to that. Um, and anytime I would try, like we would make little demos uh, and our, our drummer back then, he fancied himself like a, a budding engineer as well. Um, so we'd make these little demos and I'd hear my voice back and I'd fucking cringe. It just, it hurt me. And, and as opposed to working on it, because I knew my pitch was okay. I knew right. my range was okay, but I'd never work on it. I'd just be like, nah, okay, we're going to find a singer. <laughs> so we looked for a long time. We even had a guy who was going to be the guy for a while. Um, and that fell through. And then eventually it was like, you know, it was another moment. Like there was probably Brian who was just like, you know what, man, fuck it, you sing. And I was like, and there was a, I think that's literally what, it was like, okay, fuck it, I'll sing. And, and then I started to, even even then, I was still butting up against it. Like I, I would yeah. fight it. Um, well, I I remember as a kid, like knowing it was important to start doing it, but hating every minute of it. <laughs> and yeah. I still sometimes feel. I mean, you know, I've been singing now 30, 20 plus years, twenty five years, and it still feels foreign to me in the way that everything is so comfortable with this, yeah, yeah. Yeah. and this feels like a job. You know. Yeah. I, I, I hear you, man. That's where, where I'm taking a, I've, I'm off, been off, I'm off this week from the studio. Um, but we're, we're in the middle of vocals. I'm up, I'm over halfway done with doing vocals for, for the new record. Right. Um, and it's like every, every day we've pretty much been on a, a one song a day, um, clip. Mm. And, uh, and it's still, I get, you know, I'll do all the, all the necessary warm ups and get everything feels and sounds great. And then as soon as I get on the mic, um, I'm like, that's not how I wanted that to sound. I didn't want that to come out that way. And there's a certain amount of, okay, I have to break down this wall again every single morning, you know? No. Um, so, it, and then eventually you end up having the, the conversation internally where you're like, just fucking shut up and sing. So, so, and that's what I end up doing. I'm like, okay, now we're getting somewhere. I can start to do takes, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just something that, you know, I, I guess the way, the way other kinds of instruments have come to me quickly um, and, and are, I can use them as a kind of shield or as like a security thing. Um, I, the vocals, it's like, even though I can, you know, I've got a pretty good range and uh, um, I've been able to maintain it. Um, I, I still, I would always consider myself a guitar player or, or, a, or a writer before a singer front guy, you know, because yeah. it's too bad that that's always, those are always intertwined singer and front guy. There are great front guys who are not that great a singer, you know. There's only one Freddie Mercury. Yeah. Um, anyway. Wow. 
Yeah, it's a weird thing. Like, I, I, I guess maybe too, because you spent so much time playing instruments before you really started to sing. Absolutely. I kind of had the same experience. It, it just never felt like this feels like a second skin. Whereas that yeah. feel, you know, it's like when I hear improv, it never comes out here. You know what I mean? Like as if Otis Redding was going to sing something. It comes out here. I, I end up locking in and I do. I have good pitch. I don't have the range you have, not even close, but I have good pitch. But I end up singing something the same every time like a fucking machine. Yeah. You know, like once I've sung it the way I want it or, or the way I can, then I never, it no, I don't hear any anything else. That's all that There's happens. There's no ad libs going? Yeah. yeah, ever. Never. Yeah. yeah. It's well, weird. I, I mean, I, I'm sort of at a point now where I'm a, uh, especially live, I think I'm a lot more comfortable with it. And I'll start, you know, taking some liberties vocally and, and started doing some vocal Olympics shit, you know, especially if I'm in good voice and if we're in good shape, you know, usually towards the beginning of the long tour, um, when things start loosening up and, and, and getting where they should be, uh, I'll start taking liberties. But then there is, there does come a point where I'm like, okay, that was too much. Because now people are going to be like, why is he like singing a different melody <laughs> than the one that I paid money to come in here? And I'm like, I'm doing it because I can. <laughs> you know, it's some sort of show offy bullshit. I'm right. singing some high lick that that really has no place. Right. Um, right. You got to be careful with that shit. So I, I, I usually. I'll start playing around with it and I usually come back to home base and like, let's just sing the song. Uh, you know, sometimes yeah. I get I get carried away and I'll hold on to a, a note way longer than I should. Um, you know, I get swept up in the moment. Sure. And then it, and then it probably invariably it's going to come off like oh he's showing off now. <laughs> like well maybe a little bit you know I'd like to, I'd like to think that it was just the spirit you know just coming right the, yeah it was it was honest it was there I went for I felt it felt that yeah I had to take a shot you know? yeah so. How soon after you finish at Berkeley does, you know, do you start recording tunes? Like, or you said you were already making demos. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We were making demos, uh, I think, in my last year. Mm. Um, yeah, we were already making demos by the time my, my third year. So then how much time passed by the time you left Berkeley before the first Big Rec album came out? Oh. Oh, well, it's 91, 92, 93. Um, I was out by 94, so it was 94, 95, three or four years mm, yeah. um, of just like, you know, once we started getting gigs and then there was a lot of back and forth and I got, my student visa had run out and I'd been living just outside of Boston. I, living is a stretch, sort of you know, couch surfing just outside of Boston for sure. a few years. And that, uh, the authorities didn't like it. It's a long story that I won't get into, but I got turned away at the border and, and I was like, well, you can't come back to the U.S. for however long. Wow. Um, so I got a gig up here with a country band and um, just to try to make some scratch and, you know, just to keep playing. Um, and then and then one of some of the demos that we had, we had made got, into the hands of a, a management company up here. Um, and they were like, well, I want to meet, I, I want to meet with Ian or I want to meet with these guys. And I'm like, well, Ian's in town because I'm from and was living back in Toronto. Right. Uh, 
so yeah, we just kind of went and met with Alan Gregg. Um, and it was like, well, we can take care of the, the border stuff, but we want to get, let's get the boys back together and let's, let's start gigging again and doing the whole thing. So it was shortly thereafter we were uh, touring around Southern Ontario here and doing all kinds of stuff. And then we'd go into the studio um, and record a bunch of demos in a real studio. Uh, most of which, uh, like all those demos, we went in twice to do that. Once originally then, and then after we'd gone back down to Boston and then uh, Brian, Brian, left for a bit so we just did everything as a trio um, and we came back up and did another whack of demos and those two demos are what the first record eventually became mm. um, those two uh, those two sessions if you will they're just like you know a, a two weeks in a in a place called presence that that no longer exists but was a killer you know vibey dungy studio right um with a nice old neve desk and you know it just had the right had the right everything nice and what kind of gigs were you guys playing at, during that oh time? dude i you know everything everything and anything um there was never enough it was like almost getting into fist fights over whether or not we get a, a big mac or we put more gas in the tank to get to the next gig yeah. um yeah, it was bad. I mean, we had some, we, we had a long time of it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And it doesn't happen. There was a lot of that for a long time. Yeah. Um, and the whole, I mean, you're in your early twenties. It's, it's still kind of like, well, whatever, you know, I'm still alive and there's still, right, I right. still have a guitar. So yeah. we're good. Um, yeah, it was, it was a, you know, I, there's, I have so many memories of, of, just what would now nowadays I would say like there's no way that's like as soon as a kick drum is hit and as soon as a low note is hit you see rats running along the pipes like just over your head you know that was the old 930 in, in DC wow. um, like that there's a lot there was a lot of those uh, but there was a lot of great ones too but you know usually nobody really there um, yeah save a local guitar nerd or two like that was that was about it interesting so it, which was fine because it, it allowed us to just sort of own our our chops you know so when you finished the first record i guess uh did you finish the first record before you got a deal or yeah yeah that's what i thought so once you get a deal and the record comes out and you have some success is it like I mean, I, I'm always fascinated because it's different for everybody. But what, I mean, that, that's got to feel like unreal, right? When when some some something takes off, even to a small degree, where people people like this, like I, you know, yeah. I, it's, it's fascinating to me. Yeah, I, well, there was a bit of that. Um, I didn't really stop and smell the roses too much back then. Sure. It was a, it was a combination of. Uh, how do we get it further? How do we make it bigger? How do we get push it further down the track? It was a combination of that and and a sort of arrogant cockiness that I think we all shared yeah. because we had seen what what the rock world had to offer. Sure. And it was just like, well, th this is you got to be kidding me. And then the things that were, you know, getting hitting at number one and that were 
selling a lot of records and, and it was just like we just played with those guys and like they're not even qualified to be our techs like this is this is not even no way come on yeah. Yeah. like the guy's soloing in the wrong key and he doesn't know it <laughs> while the singer is singing in the wrong key and he doesn't know it and right. the audience is eating it up like this is confusing you know and it's not like it was robert plant or brad pitt on stage it was like yeah. you know these guys aren't that's not a sex symbol or that guy <laughs> he looks like he works at sobeys like come on yeah so it, it just that you know i was i was sort of put off by a lot of that and probably dealt with it immaturely because i was you know 23 or whatever right uh but yeah you know, whatever i i it was a, it was a thrill hearing your song on the radio for the first time or or yeah. being at a show and hearing or seeing the people mouth the words or hearing people sing a line back to you or see just seeing people out there really getting into it um it just makes your it turns that whole bi-directional thing into hyperdrive and it just you know i think the shows really started to take off and turn into a a bigger deal you know yeah. for us i'm trying to remember the first time i i heard of you at all it would be obviously around that time I think it was probably the O video. Yeah, probably the that first would have been thing. the one. Yeah, yeah. and uh, I just—I mean, obviously, I was blown away because I'm—I'm I'm coming from, you know, the perspective, the music, like you said, that was popular at the time that I might have possibly seen on MTV. Yeah. I didn't like pretty much any of it, you know. <laughs> so, yeah. so it was such a different thing to hear you guys. So I remember, I actually called my record store to see if they had your record, which they didn't. And they ordered it for me. Oh. Yeah. Which, man, people, if you don't know, that was a thing. Like, I used yeah. to have to order records constantly from my local store to yeah. get them in. But whatever. Because all know. they had was Puddle of Mud or whatever, right? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, you know, especially for my taste, like when I was trying to find blues stuff or guitar player stuff and, and all the things I was looking for, they, it would never be in stock. Yeah, but they would have these giant yeah. catalogs. To flip through so it'd be like get me this danny gatton you know and then i would pick out random stuff and yeah just <laughs> not know if i just i liked everything it didn't matter it was exciting yeah. to get a record you yeah know. No. yeah see what yeah. you can lift from it for sure exactly exactly man so yeah i was blown away when i saw that video and then i got the record um and i wore it out and then i waited for the next one and i've told you this before pleasure and greed is my favorite record i love it That's so wild. much i still listen to it quite frequently and knee deep is my favorite song oh well, nice ever. thanks man yeah it's yeah. probably my favorite off the album too i love that song dude i love oh, that God. song so much. thanks man so man so it's okay I, obviously then you go through the band ups and downs of the band and stopping the band doing your solo stuff going now going back to the band mm -hmm. how do you feel like you know as more of a seasoned adult now and where we are in life uh you know when you look back at the path do you feel like it ended up the way you thought it would um no yeah no of course like back then i was like you know the fact that you get to make another record like i was sort of torn between like one part of me would be like i can't believe they're gonna let us make another record right and like 
why didn't the last record sell five bajillion copies? And, you know, and why don't they like the last 50 demos that I sent? Because they're genius. You know, I was just sort of that, that cocky kid. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, you have to be beat up a few times to really realize, you know, but it is like you are lucky to be able to make a record. You're even luckier to actually have people listen to it once you're done. Um, you know, it's not it's not their privilege. It's your privilege. Oh, yeah. And it's like I always kind of knew that. Um, I just maybe was so impatient that I would kind of listen to, you know, listen to my other. <laughs> but for the most part, it's. It, uh, Yes and no, I will say, if it's worked out, because I, because I still get to do it. Um, and I still get to do it in a way that I, you know, I'm not playing in, in a wedding band right. yet. I'm not working at a music store yet. Right. But I, I, I still get to make the music that I want to make, um, which is exactly what the first record was. And, you know, and, and, and it just sort of, you know, with a few... Um, twists and turns along the way, uh, we've gotten to a place in the last 10 years or so where, where it's been it's been pretty much, that's been uh, the sort of ethos. It's just, well, if, if we like it, then the people who like us will like it. Yeah. Um, so we're working towards that as opposed to, I, I have not tried to fit something into radio yeah. in a long, long time because I, I've stopped that game, you know, I, it's it's not my bag when I listen to the radio I get pissed off for the most yeah. part because yeah. I just see right through it um, even even the stuff that's good you know I'm like oh it's good it's good and then I'll get sucked in and then if I go and listen to it and I sort of download the record or whatever and listen to it I'm like oh there's always there's always a stink that turns into something for me anyway I always just get I always get let down and disappointed so anyway yeah. I I digress. I, I don't pay attention to what's happening in the marketplace or, or whatever. I just want to make the best music that, that we're capable of making, you know, and, I, and, and write the best that I can write. And, um, and I'm, I, I'm lucky to be able to, to, I'm lucky to be able to do this, you know, to, mm -hmm. to explore my own thing. There's a lot of people my age who are playing cruises and and you know being the backup band for so and so and so um not that that's not fulfilling but it's not fulfilling you know what i mean yes i, I know exactly what you mean <laughs> yeah I, and i i i'm lucky that i you know i still get to do the stuff that we do because it's, it's not crazy. it's not down the path right it, it's crazy path. that anybody cares enough and necessarily enough people care to sustain you to continue doing the thing you want to do yeah. in this world as opposed to yes i could make a living just being a guitar player i did it for a lot of years here in la but now i mostly make my living from my thing doing you know thing. and things related to my thing and it's there's nothing more rewarding do i get frustrated and look at other people like you just talk you know like fuck that guy's you know i'm way better than that or this or that yeah. absolutely we all have that shit you yeah. know but when I reflect on, you know, now, Jesus, 28 years of being a professional, it's like, well, the fact that I even can do this and I've got a roof over my head and my family's okay and, like, people like what I do and if I put out some music, people will buy it, it's it's mind-blowing. Yeah. 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 I think that, that that mindset comes with maturity. 
you know, I think, uh, and I think having your ass handed to you a few times helps with that maturity. Um, but I think as guitar players, there's an inherent, uh, sort of competitive drive thing, you know, which I probably have more than, than other sort of singers who aren't guitar players. Right. But there's a, there's a, like, a it's just sort of pissing contest stuff that, that doesn't really matter at all. People yep. like what they like and that's it, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and I think now the, with what's happening in the, with the industry, um, I think that's kind of even the playing field in a lot of ways, you know, bands that are manufactured with manufactured songs and manufactured members and manufactured, mm-hmm. they're put forth as manufactured. And everyone that sees them and hears them knows it. Sure. And now we're at a point where it's like, yeah, that's fine. I know. It's, well, I like listening to these guys because uh, Zeppelin's not around anymore. So well, give, yeah. me the, give me the Van Van Hool, whatever those. Uh, yeah. Gretsch yeah. Van Hool, whatever they're called. You know what I'm saying? And I was, I was on my phone the other day and I follow uh, Billboard magazine on Twitter. I don't know why I do it. But they they tweeted something. And I actually got like furious. It said it was like a story about analytics in music and how now artists and their management and, and production companies have such great analytics that they they can, you know, really, really predict what audiences are gonna like and create music for specific trends and audiences and no longer rely on instinct that's how it ended no longer rely on instinct and i was like wait the goal is to make music without instinct like not from from here exactly (laughs) like i was like oh okay great you know (laughs) yeah because you have to you have to tailor make the product for the consumer the consumer is not paying for this product mind you you know it's a it's a fucked up industry and uh you can drive yourself nuts like unfollow that like you don't yeah i couldn't i couldn't manage any 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 thoughts of like the music business when they kind of poison the well of of music for me it it ruins it yeah just one drop and it's like i got a weird this doesn't feel right um you got to make sure that you your your head's in the right place that you're doing it for the right reason you got to believe if you don't believe then it's like, well, I'm playing that game then. It's like, well, is that too too nerdy of a word to use in a chorus? Like, this, do I have to dumb it or, you know? <laughs> yeah. Am I allowed to throw that nine on top of a chord that's this distorted? I mean, it just sounds mm. sounds cool to me, but it's going right. to be now. It takes it from active into modern active retro rock or whatever yeah. the fuck, right? It's just, mm. if you start thinking that way, at least for me, I can't, I know people who can do it successfully. Um, keep you know sort of one foot on each island but i to me it's like i i can't i can't think about the business part especially while i'm trying to be creative and trying to trying to tap into something that is so cosmic and mystical anyway that to try and you know find an algorithm or put analytics to it i think is i think it's pretty pretty absurd um it's 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 disheartening because it's like really is yeah it really is just stay away from it you know because I mean, at this point, you built, like you said, you've built an on, you've cultivated a following, an audience that has, for lack of a better term, they they've you've earned their res- 
the respect and trust. They know, so. like you said, if you put something out and you like it, they'll probably like yeah. it, and they trust that. And that's yeah. why they're your core fans, you know. And Hopefully. yeah, it's different than yeah. it used to be in the past, but it's also kind of more rewarding in some ways. I don't know. Maybe it's not, but it feels a little more rewarding to me. Yeah. yeah. It's tough, man. Yeah. Tough uh, let's jump into uh, the 10 questions. Yeah, man. All right. Number one. So it's different for you because you started on piano, but let's just say when you started playing guitar. What was the first like song, riff, lick that when you like finally figured it out, like the switch was flipped, like I can't believe I just actually learned how to play this. It's the coolest thing ever, you know? I, it would have it invariably been a, a Zep thing, but there was also a, like a sort of Travis picking thing. Uh-huh. There's a song called Going to the Country by Bruce Coburn. And once I got that Travis picking thing down, I was like, oh. That sounds just like the, uh, yeah. you know, and it was a once it once that happened, it's just sort of you know it was off to the races. Uh, Braunior, that's a big one. Finding the tuning for that, yeah, and then and then figuring that out, you know. So I was already hip to open C tuning, mm-hmm. but it hits open C with a with the A is still the A string still stays as an A. I was like, huh. And once I got that. Um, Cause I'd, I'd listen to that just off of physical graffiti, that little finger pick piece. Yeah. I'd listen to that thing a thousand times before I even attempted it on guitar. Yeah. I was like, how's he doing it? And I'm playing like C chords and it, it just, no, no. I just started, I was like, it's open, it's open. Cause you can hear the low and okay, here we go, here we go. Um, it took a bit, but once I got that, it was like, all right. That feeling when you, you know, you play something, something you've listened to so many times like a million right. times yeah and then it comes out and it's like oh shit i yeah. and, and and also for me I, I remember that moment but then i remember also distinctly the first time i was able to just find the key of a song and start soloing you know or playing oh, yeah. along That's improvisation a thing, yeah. with whatever <laughs> was happening like like feeling yeah. like well i'll never do anything else for the rest of my life like i found it now you know like that's it that's a pretty <laughs> deep hook yeah yeah it's a big hook yeah do you remember number two, uh, the first solo that you ever learned note for note, or was that something you didn't do? Um, no, I, I, I'm sure I took down uh, all the all the you know the usual suspects like the the Freebirds and the yeah. Hotel California and you know all that shit. Um, yeah, probably those, and then and then everybody takes their stab at Stairway at some point. Like those are all. You gotta, you gotta grab those. Um, that's it. Like as far as learning stuff note for note, that, that probably those. And then from there on, it was more like I would just grab bits and pieces that I thought were cool. Mm-hmm. Um, because why learn the whole thing if I only want the piece that I think is cool? I pretty much get. I got it, got it, got it, got it. What was that? And yeah. Then you wind it back. And like, what was that? Oh boy. And then you start. Um, so yeah, you know, just all the usual suspects. All right, number three. What's the first thing you play every time you pick up a guitar? Do your hands just go somewhere on autopilot without thinking? Uh, I don't think so. I probably whatever, whatever I was playing the last time. It's usually an a, an A chord, something like that. 
Uh, it would be like an A dominant lick. So yeah. then, yeah, some cowboy chords that I can yeah. power up. There you go. <laughs> what about if you like, uh, do you have any little things you do to check, like the first time you hit standby at the gig during sound check to make sure your shit's working? Stuff you play to check your, you know, the tones are cool, your intonation's cool, or maybe when you're checking a guitar at the store, you always have yeah, like. It's, it's all just stuff like that. It'll oh just be, God. it'll just be chords and like, if I can. I'll do things like that where I'll pop them. Okay, how are things moving and popping? And okay, we got it. Yeah. Um, and then sometimes you need to come up high to see if things are too screechy or whatever. But yeah, um, yeah I, I, I don't have like a, a little routine. Like yeah. when I go to the store, wait till they hear this lick. I don't <laughs> have one of those. Yeah. In retrospect, I probably should have like, I put, should put something together that I can like limber up and walk into the music store and, you know, burn. But uh, no, I. Yeah. Yeah. I just know, like, I, like whenever I pick up a guitar to this, at a store, it's always, you know, I'll, I'll run through like a major scale in chords up and down the neck to check the intonation. I'll, I'll do this and check and see if the body rings oh, yeah. at all, you know, little things like that. Oh, I do that, that kind of thing all the time. Yeah. Um, but you can usually, yeah, I mean, like on the wall, you do that. But if you I pick do it something all, yeah. up and you put it in your lap, you usually know even before you've hit the first thing, like, okay, there's something here. Yep. There's certain guitars will just hug you. Yep. just right and it's you know you know yep, you, know, you, the, know, you know the deal you know quick uh all right number four what key style song groove whatever do you hear in your head most often when you're not paying attention like you know when you're cooking breakfast or you something is there something that just lives there like for me i've i've normally got some sort of swung groove a shuffle a swing something and i'm hearing like you know charlie parker over the top or bb king but something yeah. swinging do yeah. you have something that just kind of lives there a lot of times when you're not uh, not really um no i mean there's there's music going in my head right now but yeah. but it's not it's not something that's always there for some reason the chicken is in there um <laughs> really you know i haven't heard that in a while but I think maybe this morning I thought about it or I thought about Jocko and that popped into my head. I don't know. Right. Um, but no, I don't, I don't think for the most part, it's, it's whatever I'm working on. Uh, where is it, you know, whatever I'm working on slash listening to. Um, but usually what I'm working on, it's, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of always there, you know? All right. Well then as an aside to that question, do you ever notice, like let's say you listen to a piece of music you've never heard before do you what's the first thing you normally take note of is it something that sticks out or what's the first thing you kind of start hearing in your head is it like maybe do you hear yourself improving over the tune do you hear yourself harmonizing with the I, melody I a lot of, a lot of that has to do with the, the context of hearing it mm. um and the setup you know like if you were to tell me hey Ian, you gotta listen to this I, that's already you're already setting it up right you know and i'm and, and it's coming from you so i'm gonna have a certain set of you know well, this guy's killer guitar player does the jazzy bluesy thing he's just a fucking monster okay i have an idea what this this guy's listening for you know um 
as opposed to someone who's a non-musician, you know, sometimes they'll say, listen to this. Um, and it'll, and it'll do just like getting hit with a bolt of lightning. Mm. I'm like, what is this? And how did I not know? Um, but it happens all, all different ways. Um, but a lot of it is like, I, it has to be, it has to do with me. It's a selfish sort of what's my mindset. How is it set up for me? Sure. You know, a lot of people, it's like, just put something on. And like my young, uh, I, my youngest is not even two yet. Mm. And anything that's, that comes on musically, he stops what he's doing and he's frozen and he's just letting it wash over him. And he doesn't, there's no opinion about it. There's no taste. There's no like, dude, that band's from, you know, there's none of that. It's just, right. he's just taking it in. Um, and I'd like to, I'd like to be able to listen to all things that way. Unfortunately, mm. that's not the case, mm. you know, um, listen to this, this, this guitar player is the new hottest guy on the scene. I can be like, all right, fucking dazzle me. Let's see what you got, you know, or whatever. Yeah. I've already got, I've already got some sort of racket in front of my ears. Um, but no, it's, it, it, as far as musically, it's going to be, I'm, I'm probably a melody guy first. Mm. It's got to be the melody um, and just sort of the overall tone of things, you know? Yeah, I've been trying to take stock during this pandemic. Uh, number one, I've been trying to listen to more music that I've never heard, at least like something every day. Like, yeah. let me just find something I never heard before. And if it sucks, whatever, I go, I stop listening to it. But I yeah. try to give something a shot every yeah. day. But then I've been trying to really like pay attention to what's my first thought when something comes on I've never heard. Is it, am I just like acknowledging something? Like maybe it's the groove and I, oh, listen, I like this groove. What What's going on there? Or maybe it's the melody or maybe, maybe I'm immediately improving over this song in my yeah, head. Yeah. I've been trying to kind of just take note of what's the first thing I <laughs> think or hear. Yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Number five. When do you feel like maybe you started to find your own voice on the instrument? Do you remember kind of making conscious choices along the way where, oh, I should go more down this path because it feels like me? Um, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if I've done that yet, um, to be <laughs> honest. I kind of like, I, I just kind of, I just kind of play for the song, you know? I, what, live? It's, I just, I, again, if it's going well, I'm just sort of riding the wave. Mm. Um, yeah, and, and it's like, everybody's got, everybody's got limitations, uh, you know, technically and, and vocabulary wise, everybody's got limitations, whatever they are. Um, when those are all, you, when those are not considerations, uh, I think that's when you're playing your most honest. Um, and when, I, when I'm doing that, I, I don't really know, you know, if I have a slide on my hand um, or if I'm using a, a whammy bar, which I don't use very much, but, but uh, yeah, I don't really know. It, 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 it can sound like any number of things, but if I were to hear it back, I'd instantly be able to break it down and say, well, that's a Steve Morse lick. Uh, <laughs> I ripped that from Knopfler. That's a Stevie Ray thing for sure. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, I would be able to, oh, Eric Johnson, Eric Johnson, Eric Johnson, and then, oh, okay, here we go. You know what I'm saying? It's, yeah, I, I would be able to do that, but maybe to somebody else would be like, no, no, that's in. I highly mm -hmm. doubt that, but, you know, the way the world is now with all the comments on 
on the internet, they're going to be like, the guy's just an Eric Johnson ripoff, or, or <laughs> Steve Morris, or whoever. The guy's just trying to sound like Josh Smith. <laughs> uh, oh, man. No. Well, you, you know, sound like yourself to me. I can always tell when I hear you. All right. Well, that's great to hear. I appreciate that. Uh, number six. What do you consider your biggest weakness on the guitar? Hmm. I don't know myself, I guess, like my head thinking like I just getting in my own way. I think probably, I don't know if it's a weakness, but it's a hurdle. Um, and one that has always been there and you know, it's all, it always will be there. Just, you get better at finding ways to trick yourself. Um, I don't know. Hmm. I don't really know. Yeah. I would have to say like when you get your, in your own head and you're, listening to what you just played or listening to what you're about to play it's that's you know that that's a that's not where you want to be you want to listen to what you're playing and what's what everybody else is playing you want to be present and in the moment yeah. and when you're not you know you're thinking about it and i can always hear something back i can hear when i was thinking about it as opposed to when i was just riding the wave you know and just sort of in the moment and uh and completely present but that's a hard it's, it's a hard thing to stay there you know it's really difficult as an improviser because i mean i i'm sure you can relate to this but for me like when i'm on a tour first couple gigs normally pretty pretty good right in the moment having fun maybe i'm rusty because who knows maybe it's been a little bit since i played gigs so i'm knocking off the rust a little bit who knows then like, you know, fourth gig through seventh gig, eighth gig, ridiculous. Like can do no wrong, yeah. you know, totally in the moment. Everything comes out that you're thinking, you know, you, you're in the zone. And then sometimes there's like that, you cross almost dangerously past, I'm so in the zone, then you're showing off and you're not in the moment. Like oh, I could play this right now cause it's just gonna come out. You yeah. know what I mean? And, and I'm uh, that, that, I hate that feeling. Plus, uh, the trap is too. I, I don't know about for you. Ninety percent of the time, my audience is nothing but guitar players. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. it's like, ooh, if I play this right now, I'll get a reaction. You'll get them. That's yeah. that's really dangerous. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think I, I run in. I don't. I don't have the same amount of improvising in a night that you do. But there's certain moments during a set where it's like, oh, all right, well, we'll take a, as long as 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 you need to. Put, we're going to play a solo here. Uh, we're going to try and build it or we're just going to try and coast or whatever. Um, but it's those, those moments that, that are indeterminate amount of time and just sort of let's go. Um, where it, it, it's, it's like you said, and we'll get to a point. And I'm just like, this is so much fun and it's so awesome. And I, everything I play is just coming off perfectly. And then it's, it's the next night after that, when I'm yeah. trying to repeat that. Yeah. That's when I'm fucked. Yeah. You know, you kind of have to wait for the wave to come around again. Yep. Um, because otherwise if you're just grabbing at things that you've done before that, you know, like, Oh, that was a hot idea. That was a good lick. Yep. That was a good, you know, um, hopefully you can sew them together. The audience doesn't know the difference, but, uh, the truly inspired moments, of, you know, even if you hit a bum note, it kind of works, you know? Uh, yeah. 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 I just, uh, I don't know. It is it's so what's made good. this year suck so much because literally it's the those that's the entire reason I do what I do. And so <laughs> now I haven't done it in it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. 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 
I was trying to explain to somebody, they were saying, well, how much are you playing guitar during the pandemic? That's why I'm playing guitar tons. Like I'm shedding, I got stuff to do, I'm doing sessions, I'm working, I have things going on, but it's just not the muscle that, that is the one that I'm most interested in does is now in atrophy. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm never playing dynamically sitting here by myself. You know, I'm not breaking the band down, you know, to play with more feeling, you know, yeah, well, whatever. Number seven, who is a huge influence on your guitar playing that maybe people would be surprised to hear? Uh, I don't know. Jocko is a big one for me. No. Um, I've lifted a lot of his a lot of his lines and, and because he had, you know, there's always a certain insideness to what he did that, that, you know, was right up my alley. Um, oh, let me think. Well, I don't, I, I kind of wear, my influence is on my sleeve. So it's like people would know anybody. Um, hmm. That's a hard one. Bruce Coburn. There you go. Joni Mitchell. Huge, huge. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I kind of, I'm kind of influenced by everybody that's good. You know, (laughs) I can, I can always find something in there that I like, how'd they do that? Yeah. And, and then want to try and decode it, you know? Yeah. Jocko was big for me, especially growing up in Fort Lauderdale. Everybody I knew knew him or had oh, stories. Story so I was, him. yeah, I was hearing stories from everybody. They're, they all had their Jocko moment, mo- normally kind of a crazy story, you know? So, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Keith Jarrett, there's a good one. Keith okay. Jarrett, a huge influence. That, the, the Cone concert, that record. Um, I learned the whole first side of it on piano when I was a kid. And I was like, I just was obsessed. The band that I played in, that I played keyboards in, the drummer was kind of a jazz guy from mm-hmm. the East Coast. Um, and, he, and we did the Secret Santa thing. These guys, we were all older, right? I was just like this this freak kid who was too tall. Um, but, but he was like, he got me this the Colon Concert record. And I was like Keith Jarrett. I'd heard the name, yeah. and then once I once I started diving into that, and again that first that first side, is, you know, it's pretty inside, but you can hear him, like right on the, crest of the wave the whole time, just finding melodies, and then yeah. finding another one, and then milking it, and then finding another one and milking it, and just build it like that. That to me is like the, you know right at the forefront of improvising you know because there's no and i heard he used to he considered it channeling i heard he used to like the audience would sometimes have to wait because he had to be completely clear before he stepped out to play piano Mm. um because he just kind of opens the channel and out it comes uh but yeah that was hugely influential on me i still find myself writing some of the melodies and changes that that he stumbled on I still, I still find myself lifting certain turns and, and certain changes and <laughs> throwing them in a song and be like, nah, I can't use that. <laughs> um, nice. But yeah, that was a big one for me. 
That's a good one. Keith, man. Unreal. Also, I was so bummed recently to see that with the health problem, he might not play yeah. anymore. Yeah, I saw yeah. yeah. Oh, number eight. Would you rather have in a gig situation a good guitar and a shitty amp or vice versa? A great amp and a whatever guitar. What kind of gig are we talking? Like just a GP <laughs> kind of gig? Like your gig. My gig? Shit, does it have to be? What if they were like both okay? <laughs> that defeats the purposes. Yeah, I guess so. I probably I'd probably go with a good amp, you know, and yeah. then muscle my way through the gig. At I'm least it would sound good. Yep. You know? It doesn't always have to be, you know, I don't always have to get off. As long as the sound is good and the audience can can get some of what they came for. Mm. I would go with that. Like yep. I'll muscle through a shitty guitar as long as the amp's great. I'm with you on I'm we're on the same page on that one. It's been split 50-50. A lot of guys rely specifically on a certain guitar to do their thing and they would be lost without it. So they go guitar, you know, but yeah, yeah. I played through yeah, enough shitty backline that I know that me having my stuff playing through shitty, shitty amps is still shitty. Whereas <laughs> me playing through, you know, whatever into some good stuff is a better night normally. Yeah. 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 I hear you. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> All right. Number nine. That. What keeps you kind of pushing forward to grow as a musician like what keeps you excited to learn new shit and kind of keep pushing the boundaries of being a better player a better writer better singer whatever i i don't really know i've wondered about that sometimes um but i think it's just i think it's inherent in most musicians um or players anyway you hear something that that twists your ear a little bit and you're like what is that you know, and how can I, how can I use that? Oh, that's good. Or, you know, as is usually the case, you're just playing, playing and just not practicing it per se, but playing as mm -hmm. we all do. Um, and you stumble on something accidentally that's like, okay, well, that's a neat idea. What if I push that even further? What can I come up with? Um, and then everything, every other place that you've been before sort of feeds where, where it's going to go next. Um, but I, I don't, I don't really know what speaks to that. I mean, it probably, it does go, it's cyclical. It goes in cycles where, um, what I'm, I play guitar every day, but you know, if, am I sitting down with a metronome and trying to get things quicker or trying to get things cleaner or am I, or am I, trying to write something or am I working on something else? Um, that goes in cycles, you know, depending. Like when I'm on the road, uh, I'm on the back lounge of the bus warming up um, and I have a specific set of things that I'll want to make sure that I can hit because I got that coming up, you know, there's a 140 BPM and I need 16th note triplets. Mm. I got to make sure that these hands are ready and then I got to do this. There's a bit of a stretch there. And then I got to make sure that if I shake it like this, it's going to be okay. And, you know, and as you get older, it, it doesn't get any easier to do some of that shit. But vocally, you know, the same thing. Like I got to sure. do all these little checks, you know, tick all these boxes before I'm ready to hit the stage. 
Um, but all of that stuff, it's like when you start seeing or hearing a improvement and development, when you put in time on something, that's an addictive drug, man. That's, uh, you know, once it's like, oh, my God, I couldn't do that last week. That, uh, you know, that's something that hopefully never goes away. Um, and there's still like, I'm still amazed that I'm lucky enough to have shit that I want to learn and that, and that, that I'm still able to play, you know, like I still, I'm still turned on by it. I know a lot of people my age who've been in the business for a while and they're just that, you know, the guitar is just what I use for when I go into the studio to write our next record. Right. Um, as opposed to it being an obsession and it's like, there's always more to, to lift. There's always more to learn. There's always more to, you know, to steal ideas and, and, you know, concepts and uh, there's so much, you know, a lot of it. And here's the truth. A lot of it, I don't get to use, you know, I'll never get to use right. some of the shit that I'll learn and that, you know, that I'll be working on, but it's never going to make it on a big rec record. And I wouldn't mm -hmm. want it to, it would be completely out of place, but it's yeah. almost like, you know, instead of uh, woodworking or, or golf or instead of some other hobby, that's kind of my hobby is, you know, guitar nerdery. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's my drug. It's the thing that's kept me sane my whole life yeah. is the push to learn something new because yeah. it's just so fun. You know, it's just like, there's nothing yeah. that I get more enjoyment other than, you know, family time, nothing I get more enjoyment out of than, yeah. Oh my God, what is that that I just played? Let me figure that out. I'm going to expand on that. Like that feeling. I hope that never goes away. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Cool, man. And then number 10, do you have, are you a guy who has a five-year plan? Do you plan things out or, you know, does you have somewhere you want to get? Do you have goals you want to achieve or do you just go where, where it takes you? Yeah, I'm more of the latter. Okay. Whatever the new normal is, I'll figure out a way to make it work, you know? Right. Um, yeah, I don't really, I don't, I don't have a, plan like a five-year plan i know you're probably supposed to right a lot of people that organized adults uh yeah i just want to be a, a way better musician um slightly more successful i'd like to be on the road again maybe playing shows in front of uh real people yeah as opposed to cars we've done some of those driving shows oh, take, what we, take what we can get but yeah. it but it is weird man it's different it's a different breed of cat um but I, but yeah i you know, I did keep doing what we're doing um, just at the next level, just, you know, both creatively and, and whatever in every other way. Yeah. Um, I feel like we've, we've been growing as a group of musicians for a while. And I know I have personally, um, but it's that we're in the wrong business to have that sort of mirrored in, in, you know the commercial side of it it's like well, oh my god he couldn't do that on the last record it's like nobody gives a shit just give me the hits and you know yeah. um yeah i shouldn't really say that because i don't think that's necessarily true for us like we're we have we're blessed with a a pretty cool fan base um so I, yeah maybe my five-year plan would be you know just to be happy and healthy uh yeah. And to be at the next level musically and, and in every other way. I don't have a specific plan set out, dude. I'm just 
I'm just rattling shit off until you say yeah, but <laughs> none of none of that seems like too much to ask. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm I'm a pretty uh, I'm I'm a pretty go with the flow kind of guy. You know, right. I like like I said, just give me the new normal, and and I'll figure out a way to make it work. If I can't, then I'll, then I'll bounce. You know, I'll figure something else out. Yeah. Well, dude, that's it. We got to the end of the 10 questions. So, right. I didn't <laughs> they, like that amp guitar question. Man. That yeah. was horrible. I like hearing everybody's response to it because it's been split pretty much 50-50. Yeah. <laughs> that's brutal. But, dude, thank, thanks for taking the time out of your day. Like, dude, truly, like I said, I'm an enormous fan of all the things that you do. That's and... great, man. I'm such a fan of yours, too. That's that's wonderful. That's thanks, great to hear. And then... Uh, rulers if you're not a ruler please subscribe or become a ruler sign up be a member um it'll keep my <laughs> my interest in this channel high and i'll continue creating content if you keep subscribing but there'll be links to all things in and big rec in the body of this video but dude thank thank you so much for doing this man it's Again, really pleasure. yeah all right and for the rulers we'll be right back with the turn two all right ruling